You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Harris Beach Podcast. In this episode, we'll discuss the use and enforcement of force majeure clauses. As COVID-19 forces major business disruptions, these Extraordinary Act clauses are increasingly pertinent across nearly every industry. I'm joined today by Dave Clare, um, Rochester partner and leader of the firm's corporate practice group, and Elliot Halleck, Albany partner and a member of the firm's business and commercial litigation practice group and financial institutions and capital markets industry team. Elliot and Dave, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Now, courts have historically discouraged reliance on force majeure provisions and have strictly construed contracts in favor of performance. However, because COVID-19 is a pandemic with unprecedented ramifications, the landscape regarding force majeure is likely to rapidly evolve. Before we dive into the, to the heart of the matter, perhaps we should just discuss a little bit about what is the force majeure clause and what, why does it take on significance at this time? Thanks, Ben. And let me jump in. High level of force majeure event or circumstance is an extraordinary event, sort of outside the contemplation of the parties. Uh, So these can be acts of God, uh, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, weather-related instances. It could be war or terrorism. Um, Sometimes these events could also be uh, related to labor strife. Um, And obviously, uh, you know, the issues and the challenges we're facing with respect to COVID-19 bring into play things like epidemics and and pandemics and, and health crises of that nature. And then a force majeure clause in a contract uh, is a clause that essentially says that one or both parties may be excused from performance in the event one of these identified extraordinary events prevents a party from fulfilling its contractual obligations. Given some of the lockdowns, stay-at-home orders, and general economic instability as a result of COVID-19, what questions are you hearing from clients about this clause, and what questions are you asking yourselves? Uh, perhaps, Elliot, would you like to chime in on that? Yes, yeah, sure. With about 90% of our country currently at stay-at-home orders, we are now talking about force majeure clauses. I think without exaggeration, uh, this is something that most litigators may not have seen since their first year of law school. And for most corporate attorneys, this is something that was generally a boilerplate provision in a contract that really hadn't given more thought. And all of a sudden, with the greatest pandemic of our lifetimes, um, it has now, like you said, completely dominated the landscape. And we are seeing this issue uh, both from the corporate side and the litigation side like we never have before, which is why as part of Harris Beach's COVID-19 response team, we thought it was important to bring together both practice areas, the litigation side and the corporate side, because to deal with these force majeure clauses, you really need to address them from both practice areas and both fronts. The issues that we're hearing and we're seeing are very simple questions from clients that have very deep ramifications. What do I do? I've got this contract. I've got this event. 
we can't perform. I don't think I'm going to be able to perform. What do I do? What are my obligations? Am I going to be able to unwind or get out of this deal? Um, at, at its core, those are the questions that we're receiving from clients. And the answer to that question is going to be very specific to one, your contract, and two, your factual situation as to whether performance has really become impossible or whether there is a business disruption of some kind that has made things more difficult or delayed things, but maybe not made it truly impossible and what the provisions of your contract are that may or may not allow you to have some remedy based on the inability to perform. Just a quick follow-up question to that. Is there a substantial body of law that will help guide the decisions on how that all plays out? At this point, it's something that really has not been litigated very much because this is a completely unprecedented event that, uh, like I said, most of us have not seen in our lifetimes. So the body of law up to this point has been somewhat limited. And before this pandemic, the general trend in the law that has uh, interpreted force majeure clauses has construed them relatively strictly in favor of requiring performance under a contract. So for example, uh, if you had a contract that relieved parties of their obligations for war or terrorism, but did not include something like a pandemic, an outbreak, an epidemic, you might not have been able to get relief for this specific event because it was not included in your force majeure clause. Uh, There are common law theories that I know we can speak about later in this podcast, But as a general matter, up to this point, they have been construed relatively strictly and relatively in favor of requiring performance under a contract or holding a party in breach uh, based upon the claimed impossibility based upon the event that has rendered performance impossible. Now, I think, uh, and at this point, there is really no empirical data for this because New York state courts uh, effectively remain closed at this point with the exception of emergency filings. So New York state law has not developed at any point since this pandemic started. Uh, But I do expect that as time goes on, this is going to be a rapidly evolving area of law. We're going to see a lot of decisions. And given the gravity of this event, I think my expectation is going to be that these clauses are going to be more liberally applied and also the common law theories of impossibility of performance and practicability and or frustration of purpose are going to be used uh, as means to excuse parties uh, from performance based upon the impossibility resulting from the pandemic. So David, it occurs to me that there's probably implications going forward too in terms of contracts and how they're drafted. So in in light of COVID-19, is there some specific drafting advice that you think clients need to know or that you'll be giving to clients uh, with respect to clauses in in their commercial contracts? Absolutely. Uh, And something we've sort of already started, as Elliot alluded to, historically, the force majeure provision uh, has been under-negotiated, oftentimes seldom touched by the parties after the initial draft of the contract uh, in which it appears. You know, I think one thing that will become important is whether or not 
uh, there's a specific reference to the force majeure event. Courts will look at, does the event qualify as a force majeure event? Was it foreseeable and could it be mitigated in any way? And was performance actually and truly impossible? And what's sort of unique about uh, the challenges presented by COVID-19 is in a lot of respects, it has made performance uh, more difficult but not necessarily impossible. There's an awful lot of government mandates forcing people to stay at home and work, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that businesses can't be operating and folks can't be performing remotely. So is performance truly impossible or not? New York courts will also look at, is the specific event listed? So from a drafting standpoint, uh, to answer your question more directly, I think it will be important to list pandemics, epidemics, viral outbreaks, uh, those sorts of descriptions to cover this type of event. You probably can't find a contract drafted and signed more than six months ago that had any specific reference to coronavirus or COVID-19 and very few even referenced, you know, on a broader nature, you know, the, the concept of a, of a health uh, outbreak, disease outbreak, viral outbreak, or specifically an epidemic or a pandemic. We have, uh, ever since uh, this became an issue, been including language very specific to cover uh, this particular scenario or any comparable scenario. Um, such that uh, there is no question as to whether or not the event itself is listed and a possible trigger for excusive performance. Um, however, that's just the first bar. And uh, once it's listed, you know, there's still the, uh, you know, the relatively high bar for invoking the clause, which is, you know, was the risk foreseeable and is performance truly impossible? Do you have any expectation or if you had to guess that COVID-19 could very well provide grounds for triggering a, a, a clause that would allow a party to walk away from a transaction? I think we certainly expect that there will be situations where, for example, a business was deemed to be non-essential and therefore under some sort of uh, government mandate or edict or regulation that prevented that business from operating. Um, that that would truly sort of make and render performance impossible. And if this performance in that respect is impossible and the force majeure clause arguably lists an event that covers uh, the coronavirus, then I think there you know, would be at least the possibility of invocation of the force majeure clause as a valid uh, excuse for non-performance. It occurs to me, Dave, that in any sort of contractual matter, um, communications is very critical. How critical would you say at this time that flexibility might be in terms of both sides of the contract um, working out some of the impact of this event? It's a great question and it's, it's very interesting. We've had a number of clients who are looking at this concept, uh, excuse of performance due to the occurrence of a force majeure event uh, from both sides. For example, you may have a manufacturing company with its workforce forced to work remotely and uh, its processes are delayed, its production is minimized, and its ability to satisfy its contractual obligations to get, uh, you know, products designed, manufactured, and shipped on time has been compromised. Uh, by the same token, uh, their customer 
may not be in a position to accept delivery of those goods for some of the same reasons. Um, you know, their factory may not be ready for the new piece of equipment. They may not have uh, the folks in place for installation, for training on new equipment. They may no longer have the need for goods or products because their customer base has slowed down. Um, you know, so the the economic slowdown that we're experiencing sort of has uh, buyers and sellers, you know, both caught up in this. And, you know, absolutely uh, communication becomes critical due to the uncertainty of how the courts uh, may actually treat some of these uh, force majeure clauses and whether or not they will uh, render them effective or not. Uh, you know, a lot of that can be avoided with good communication and the parties may, you know, find themselves uh, fairly aligned in terms of a revised schedule or delayed performance. To build on to Dave's point, I think it's very critical for people to address these issues early and upfront as soon as you can, both from uh, a business and a public relations standpoint, as well as from a legal standpoint, because one of your obligations in invoking a force majeure clause is that you've taken all attempts to avoid or mitigate the consequences of the impossibility of performance, which is why our litigation team and our corporate team have been working together with clients to help message this to either their suppliers or their consumers or whoever they're contracting with. It's very important to deal with those issues up front uh, if you think you're going to be in a position where you're not able to perform at some point, you might still be able to perform now, but that might become impossible later if your supply chain runs up or if your purchaser on the other side dries up. You want to address those issues as early as you can. It's very important for businesses to get that message out to their consumers, their the people that they contract, let them know we're okay now. We're still open. We want to do business. However, there may come a time where uh, it does become impossible despite our best efforts. You provide that notification to somebody up front that's carefully drafted and you give them the opportunity to potentially mitigate some of the effects and the advanced notification that you may in fact not be able to perform under this contract despite your best efforts. It's, it's just very sound practice as a business to remain in contact with your customers and tackle these issues up front early as soon as you think you're going to run into an issue with performance. It does sound to me like there are a million and one different permutations of this question. And so I'm just wondering if you see it sort of being litigated on a case-by-case basis, or do you think there's a need for some sort of legislative guidance to help put down some rules to help make the application more uniform? Well, there certainly have been quite a few executive orders, and one of the clauses that is often seen in a force majeure clause is government action, and government action can resolve the issue very clearly as to whether or not contracts are, in fact, possible to perform. It remains to be seen, because we're certainly in uncharted territory right now, as to whether there's going to be legislation on this particular issue. But my expectation is that this is going to be heavily litigated and it's going to be litigated on a case-by-case basis. As David mentioned before, uh, you're going to have many situations where a contract may not be physically impossible, but it's just going to be more difficult to perform. Uh, We've gotten calls from people uh, who may have taken out loans or leases and they 
may not be able to take possession of a property right now, but does that make it impossible for the entire contract to be performed? There are other instances that seem to be more clear. You might have booked a venue for a particular date, and there's a government regulation that precludes public gatherings, and it's clear that that is impossible to perform based on a, a government regulation that says this place can't be open, this event can't go forward. So we're going to see many different factual scenarios um, that are going to get litigated in the court. There are some that are going to be more clear inabilities to perform. I, I think, unfortunately, there are going to be uh, some parties that seek to take advantage of the inability to perform or a temporary business disruption to try to avoid their obligations under a contract as a whole. So I, I think courts are going to look at this on a case-by-case -case scenario. And like Dave said, we'll see whether performance has really become impossible or whether it just has been delayed for a period of time. Um, and as David mentioned, force majeure clauses have not had the complexity that I think they will have following this event, where some of the more complex ones might have provisions in there that talk about a time limitation for impossibility or a notice requirement for impossibility. And some of them are very short and just simply say that in the event of certain events like an act of God, war, terrorism, government action, disease, that neither side has any liability. So I think we're going to see a lot of development on the contractual side. I think we're going to see it litigated heavily on the court side, and it remains to be seen whether there's any legislative guidance other than the executive orders that we're seeing uh, that would really control whether performance is impossible, but I, I remains to be seen whether there's any kind of blanket relief that's provided to people based upon this pandemic and, and an inability to perform at the legislative level. We alluded to it a little earlier in our discussion about communication. But are there other things that clients ought to be doing now to prepare in terms of evaluating the force majeure clause and, and how to enforce it and or defend against it? I think the best thing that clients or, and businesses can do is reach out to their attorneys, reach out to us, let us know what your current situation is, because if you feel like you're going to be in a situation where either your business or somebody that you do business with is unable to perform, we're able to position you as best we can, give you guidance, help you with notifications in advance that can put you in the best posture in the event there is a dispute that arises based on the inability of either yourself or the party that you contract with to perform under their contract. I think the one thing then that we can that we can do and that, that our clients should be doing is performing a risk assessment, understanding you know what contracts you have, uh, whether or not those contracts have force majeure clauses in them or not. If they do, what do those clauses specifically say? And then sort of marrying up the uh, the legal and the documentation analysis with, uh, as Elliot suggested, you know, sort of the, the lay of the land uh, with respect to the ability of the client to perform its obligations. Um, and in particular, you know, as we look at and assess risk, uh, you know, that force majeure clause uh, may or may not exist in the contract. Uh, it will depend on the governing law of the contract as to how specific 
the events need to be in terms to offer coverage. It will also speak to, uh, as Elliot indicated, is there a notice requirement? Is there a mitigation obligation? Does the event uh, have to be foreseeable or not? And also, will a force majeure event excuse performance for a period of time so that your performance will be delayed for the duration of the event? Or does it provide one or both parties the ability to terminate and trigger any sort of damages associated with termination based on that? So, you know, there's an awful lot of nuance to the discussion. And I think, you know, right now it's important to, you know, take a, a global risk assessment with respect to contractual obligations that you have in terms of performance or receipt so that you can start to evaluate uh, what can be done proactively in terms of reaching out to customers or clients or providing notifications. Just as one final question to both of you, it sounds like both from a client and an attorney standpoint, we're in, in the thick of this already in terms of making these evaluations. Are there some other ways that um, our teams are helping uh, clients navigate this uh, evolving area of law or other areas that you think we'll be needing to look at into the future? Yeah, I think in addition to sort of the risk assessment looking backwards, uh, you know, certainly on a going forward basis, uh, this particular clause will get a lot more attention, probably uh, be the subject of more intense negotiation. And certainly this is an area that Harris Beach is already actively involved and engaged with its clients in putting together, uh, you know, sort of best practice language around force majeure provisions uh, in contracts. Uh, in light of, you know, now uh, the situation that we're in relative to the coronavirus. And just to build on what Dave said, I, I think it's also important when you're contemplating the messaging that you, you might send to customers on these events, it's important to run these issues through counsel too, because in the event of a dispute, you should be prepared that any notice that you provide to the party that you're contracting with is likely to end up in exhibit in a litigation. So it, it would be wise to take a few moments with your counsel, look at the message you're sending. Uh, we always try to strike the balance between your business and your public relations concerns, as well as making sure that the message is not going to be harmful and is going to help bolster your legal position in the event of a dispute and really find that right balance in the messaging. So it's very important to have your counsel involved as early as you can, even if it's just for some kind of consult to make sure that you're best positioning yourselves when these events arise and, and they will arise with more frequency as uh, this pandemic evolves. And also, like Dave said, uh, these things are going to get quite a bit more attention and there's going to be a lot more clarity in these clauses going forward as to which party bears the risk uh, in the event of another event like this, um, it's going to be given attention like it never has before. And it's, um, it's important that you get the right counsel and know what side of the risk you're going to be bearing in, in the event we have another event like this or uh, performance does become impossible. Makes a lot of sense. So thank you both for, uh, for joining us today and thanks everybody for listening. For more information, including how to contact Dave and Elliot, please visit our COVID-19 response page at www.harrisbeach.com slash COVID-19. 
Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.